Launching rockets doesn't have to be rocket science with MongoDB. While you might not be launching rockets, modern apps need to incorporate analytics just like NASA and SpaceX. To see how MongoDB Atlas shifts real-time analytics into your applications, check out our three-part live stream where my guest Jay Runkle will build an application in real-time, simulating a rocket launch with multiple devices generating one million metrics per second. The fun starts live on LinkedIn and YouTube Live on March 15th at 10 a.m. Eastern. Visit the show notes for this episode or click the banner for more details. My name is Julia Oppenheim and welcome to the MongoDB podcast. Stay tuned to learn more about how to improve your schema and alleviate schema anti-patterns with schema suggestions in MongoDB Atlas. Welcome to the show. Today's episode is the third in a series on automating database management. In our first two episodes in this series, we spoke with Rez Khan, who manages this specific set of products and features in MongoDB Atlas. In part one, episode 23, we focused on indexes and how MongoDB Atlas Performance Advisor can help you understand when you're over-indexed, causing performance issues on writes. Next, in episode 26, Rez returned to help us understand a little bit more about how MongoDB Atlas can be configured to scale in response to various load conditions in your application, virtually self-healing. In this episode today, we look at the next step in helping developers improve performance of their applications through the use of something we call schema suggestions. If you've ever written an application that has degraded over time, you're going to want to listen to today's episode with Julia Oppenheim. Stay tuned. You're listening to the MongoDB Podcast. MongoDB Podcast. Exploring the world of software development, data, and all things MongoDB. And now your hosts, Michael Lynn and Nick Raboy. Welcome to the show, Julia. It's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks. It's great to be here. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, let folks know who you are and what you do at MongoDB. Yeah, sure. So hi, I'm Julia. I actually joined MongoDB about nine months ago as a product manager on Rez's team. So yeah, I actually did know that you had spoken to him before. And if you listen to those episodes, Rez probably touched on what our team does, which is ensure that the customer's journey or the user's journey with MongoDB runs smoothly um, and that their deployments are performant, making sure that you know developers can focus on what's truly exciting and interesting to them, like pushing out new features and they don't have the stress of, is my deployment, is my database going to have any problems? We, we try to make that process as smooth as possible. Fantastic. And today we're going to be focusing on schemas, right? Uh, schema suggestions and eliminating schema anti-patterns. So, but before, so hold the phone, Mike. Yeah, go ahead, Nick. I, I thought, uh, I thought MongoDB people call this the schemaless database. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess that is true. With a document database, it's not necessary to plan your schema ahead of time. So maybe, Julia, do you want to shed some light on why we need schema suggestions in? Yeah, no, I, I think that's a really good point and definitely a common misconception. So I think one of the draws of MongoDB is that schema can be pretty flexible and it's not rigid in the sense that other more relational databases you know, they have a strict set of rules and how you can access the data. 
MongoDB is definitely more lenient in that regard. But at the end of the day, you still need certain fields, value types, and things like that dependent on the needs of your application. So one of the first things that any developer will do is kind of map out what their use cases for their applications are and figure out how they should store the data to make sure that those use cases can be carried. I think that where you can kind of get a little stuck with schema in MongoDB is that the needs of your application change throughout the development cycle. So a schema that may work on day one when your you know, user base is relatively small, your feature set is pretty limited, may not work. As your app begins to scale, you may need to refactor a little bit and it may not always be immediately obvious how to do that. And you know, we don't expect users to be experts in MongoDB and schema design with MongoDB, which is why I think highlighting schema anti-patterns is very useful. Fantastic. So do you want to talk a little bit about how the product works, how schema suggestions work in MongoDB Atlas? Yeah. So there are two places where you as a user can see schema anti-patterns. They're in the performance advisor tab, uh, which Rez definitely touched on if he talked about autopilot and index suggestions. And you can also see schema anti-patterns in the in our data explorer, so the collections tab. And we can talk about, you know, in a little bit why we have them in two separate places, but in general, what you as the user will see is the same. So we flag schema anti-patterns. We give kind of like a brief explanation as to why we flag them. We'll show which collections are impacted by, you know, this anti-pattern that we've identified. And we'll also kind of give a call to action on how to address them. So we actually have custom docs on the six schema anti-patterns that we look for at this stage of the product's, you know, life cycle. And we give kind of steps on how to solve it, what a recommendation would be, and also kind of explain, you know, why it's a problem and how it can really, you know, come back to hurt you later on. So you've thrown out the keyword schema anti-patterns a few times now. Do you want to go over what, uh, you said there's six of them, right? We want to go what each of those six are? Yeah, sure. So we look for use of our dollar lookup operation. So this means that where it's very similar to joining in the relational world, where you would be accessing data across different collections. And this is not always ideal because you're reading and performing you know, different logic on more than one collection. So in general, it just takes a lot of time, a little more resource intensive. And you know, when we see this, we're kind of thinking, oh, this person might come from a more relational background. That's not to say that this is always a problem. It could make sense to do this in certain cases, which is where things get a little dicier. But that's the first one that we look for. The, another one is looking for unbounded arrays. So if you just keep embedding information and have no limit on that, the size of your documents can get really big. This we actually have a limit in place, and this is one of our third anti-patterns, where if you keep, you'll hit our 16 megabyte per document limit, which kind of means that your like hottest documents or the working set takes up too much space on RAM. So now we're 
going to disk to fulfill your request, which is, you know, generally, again, will take some time. It's more resource, you know, consumptive, things like that. How do you prevent an unbounded array in MongoDB? Like, I get the concept, but I've never heard of it done in a database before. So this would be new to me. So this is going to be a little contradictory to the lookup anti-pattern that I just mentioned. And I think that we can talk about this more because I know that when I was first learning about anti-patterns and they did seem very contradictory to me and I got a little stressed. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the way you would avoid the unbounded array would probably be to reference other documents. So that's essentially doing the lookup that I just said was an anti-pattern. But one way to think of it is say you have okay, say you have a developer collection and you have different information about the de- developer, like their team at MongoDB and you know how long they've been here, and maybe you have all of their Git commits. And like the Git commit could be an embedded document. It could have like the date of the commit and what project it was on and things like that. A developer can have, you know, infinitely many commits, like maybe they just commit a lot and there's no bound on that. So, you know, it's a one to like many relationship. And if that were in an array, I think we all see that would grow, probably would hit that 16 megabyte limit. What we would instead maybe want to consider doing is creating like a commit collection where we would then tie it back to the developer who made the commit and reference it from the original developer document. I don't know if that analogy was helpful, but that's kind of how you would handle that. The key thing here is, you know, you get to make these decisions about how you design your schema. You're not forced to normalize data in one way across the entire database as you are in the relational world. And so you're going to make a decision about the number of elements in a potential array versus the cost of storing that data in separate collections and doing a lookup. And obviously, you know, you may start, you may embark on your journey to develop an application thinking that your arrays are going to be within scope, within a relatively low number, and maybe the use pattern changes or the number of users changes, the number of developers using your application changes. And at some point, you may need to change that. So, let me ask the question about the the user case when I'm interacting with MongoDB Atlas and my use case does change, my user pattern does change. How will that appear? How will it surface in the product that now I've breached the limits of what is an acceptable pattern and now it's in, I'm in the scope of an anti-pattern? Right. So when that happens, the best place uh, for it to be flagged is our performance advisor tab. So We'll ha- we have a little card that says improve your schema. And if we have anti-patterns that we flagged, we'll show the number of suggestions there. You can click in to learn more about them. And what we do there is it's based on a sample of your data. So we kind of try to uh, catch these in a reactive sense. We'll see that something is going on and we'll give you a suggestion to improve it. So to do that, we like analyze your data. We try to determine which collections matter, which collections you're really using. So based on the number of reads and writes to the collections, we'll kind of uh, identify your top 20 collections. And then we'll see what's going on. We'll look for, you know, the anti-patterns, some of which I've mentioned, and kind of just collect 
this is all going on behind the scenes, by the way, we'll kind of collect, you know, distributions of, you know, average data size, our lookups happening, you know, just looking for some of those anti-patterns that I mentioned, and then we'll determine which ones you can actually fix and which ones are most impactful, which ones are actually a problem, and then we surface that to the user. So is it monitoring what type of queries you're doing, or is it just looking at based on how your documents are structured when it's, it's, when it's suggesting a schema? Yeah, it's mainly looking for how your documents are structured. The dollar lookup is a little tricky because it is, you know, an operation that's kind of happening under the hood, but it's based on the fact that you're referencing things within the document. Okay, so we, we talked about the unbounded arrays. We talked about three anti-patterns so far. Do you want to continue on the journey of anti-patterns? Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. So one that we also flag is at the index level, and this is something that is also available in Performance Advisor in general. So if you have unnecessary indexes on the collection, that's something that is problematic because an index just existing is, you know, it consumes resources, it takes up space, and it can slow down writes, even though it does speed up reads. So that's like for indexes in general, but then there's the case where the index isn't actually doing anything and it may be kind of stale, maybe your query patterns have changed and things like that. So if you have excessive indexes on your collection, we'll flag that. But I will say in Performance Advisor, we do now have index removal recommendations that will say, this is the actual index that you should remove. So a little more granular, which is nice. Then. Another one we have is reducing the number of collections you have in general. So at a certain point, collections, again, consume a lot of resources. You have indexes on the collections. You have a lot of documents. Maybe you're referencing things that could be embedded. So that's just kind of another sign that you might want to refactor your data landscape uh, within MongoDB. Okay. So we've talked about a number of into patterns so far. We talked about uh, use of dollar lookup, storing unbounded arrays in your documents. We've talked about having too many indexes. We've talked about having uh, large document sizes in your collections. We've talked about too many collections. And then I guess the last one we, we need to cover off is around case insensitive regex queries. You want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So like with the other anti-patterns, we'll kind of look to see when you um, have queries that are using case insensitive regex and recommend that you have the appropriate index. So it could be case insensitive index, it could be a search index, things like that. That is, you know, the last anti-pattern we flag. Okay, great. And and obviously, you know, any kind of operation against the database is going to require resource. And the whole idea here is there's a balancing act between leveraging the resource and and operating efficiently. This is a product feature that's available in MongoDB Atlas. All of these things are available today, correct? Yeah. And you would get to, to see these suggestions in the Performance Advisor tab, right? Yes, Performance Advisor. And also, as I mentioned, our Data Explorer, which is our collections okay, tab. Right. Yeah. Fantastic. The whole entire goal of automating database management is to make it easier for the developer to, to interact with the database. What else do we want to tell the audience about uh, schema suggestions or anything in this product space? So I think 
definitely want to highlight what you just mentioned that, you know, your schema changes, the anti-patterns that could be, you know, more damaging to your uh, performance change over time. And it really does depend on your workload and how you're accessing the data. I know that, you know, some of the schema anti-patterns do conflict with each other. We do say that in some cases you you should reduce references and in some cases you should, and it really depends on, you know, is the data that you want to access together actually being stored together and does that, you know, make sense? So they won't all always apply. It will be kind of situational and that's, you know, why we're here to help. So when people are using MongoDB to create documents in their collections, I imagine that they have some pretty intense looking document schemas. Like I'm talking objects that are nested eight levels deep. Will the schema suggestions help in those scenarios to, to try to improve how people have, have created their data? Schema suggestions are still definitely in their early days. I think we released this product almost a year ago. We'll definitely capture any of the six anti-patterns that we just mentioned if they're happening on a high level. So if you're nesting a lot of stuff within the document, that would probably increase you know, document size and we would flag it. We might not be able to get that targeted to say this is why your document size is this large. But I think that's a really good call out. And it's safe to say we know that we are not capturing every scenario that a user could encounter with their schema. You can truly do whatever you want, you know, designing your MongoDB documents. We're actively researching which schema suggestions it make sense to look for in our next iteration of this product. So if you have feedback, you know, always don't hesitate to reach out. We'd love to hear your thoughts. So yeah, there are definitely some limitations. We're working on it. We're looking into it. Okay. Let's say I'm a developer and I have a number of collections that maybe they're not accessed as frequently, but I am concerned about the patterns in them. How can I force the a performance advisor to look at a specific collection? Yeah, that's a really good question. So as I mentioned before, we do surface the anti-patterns in two places. One is performance advisor, and that's for the more reactive use case where doing a sweep, seeing what's going on in those 20 most active collections and kind of doing some logic to determine where the most impactful changes uh, could be made. And then there's also the collections tab in Atlas. And this is where you can go, say you're actively developing or adding documents to collection. They aren't heavily used yet, but you want to make sure you're on the right track. If you view the schema anti-patterns there, it basically runs our algorithm for you and will search a sample of documents for that collection and surface the suggestions there. So it's a little more targeted. And I would say very useful for when you're actively developing something or have a small workload. We've got a huge conference coming up in July. It's mongodb.live. My first question is, are you going to be there? Are you perhaps presenting a talk on, on this subject at .live? I am not presenting a talk on this subject at .live, but I will be there. I'm very excited for it. Fantastic. Well, maybe we can get you to come to Community Day, which is the, the week after, where we've got talks and sessions and games and all sorts of fun stuff for the community. Maybe we can get you to to talk a little bit about this at the at the event that would be that would be fantastic. mongodb.live is our biggest user conference of the year. 
Join us July 13th and 14th. It's free. It's all online. There's a huge lineup of cutting edge keynotes and breakout sessions, all sorts of ask me anything panels and brain breaking activities. So much more. You can get more information at mongodb.com slash live. All right, Nick, anything else to add before we begin to wrap? Nothing from me. I mean, Julia, is there any other last minute words of wisdom or anything that you want to tell the audience about schema uh, suggestions? with the MongoDB or anything that'll help them? Yeah, I I don't think so. I think we covered a lot. Again, I would just emphasize, you know, don't be overwhelmed. Schema is very important for MongoDB and it is meant to be flexible. We're just here to help you. I think that's the key word there. It's not, uh, it's not schema-less. It's just flexible schema, right? Yes, yes. Well, Julia, thank you so much. This has been a great conversation. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe. Have a question or a suggestion for the show? Visit us in the MongoDB community forums at community.mongodb.com. Test phone switch to arm, arm light on. Launching rockets doesn't have to be rocket science with MongoDB. While you might not be launching rockets, modern apps need to incorporate analytics just like NASA and SpaceX. To see how MongoDB Atlas shifts real-time analytics into your applications, check out our three-part live stream where my guest Jay Runkle will build an application in real-time, simulating a rocket launch with multiple devices generating 1 million metrics per second. The fun starts live on LinkedIn and YouTube Live on March 15th at 10 a.m. Eastern. Visit the show notes for this episode or click the banner for more details.